praise God that he is our living hope. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have hope. And we have the opportunity today to worship our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And we have the opportunity to look to the teachings, the truth of Christ this morning. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles and to follow with me as we look this morning at the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 11. Luke, chapter 11, and our focus this morning will be on receiving God's light from Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through verse 36. Jesus said these words, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, thank you for the time that we have this morning to read and to meditate on the truths of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have his teachings preserved for us, written down in Holy Scripture. Lord, today we come to your word and we ask that you would open our eye to receive the light, to receive the truth that Jesus is declaring to us today. Father, may we receive your light through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and may your Spirit open our eyes that we may see. And we pray this in the name of Christ. 
Amen. At first glance, when you look at this passage in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 24, it would seem that verses 24 through 26 would have gone better at the end of last week's passage because last week's passage dealt with Jesus casting out a demon out of a man. And then the the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders charging Jesus with doing that in the power of Satan himself. And so last week we looked at Jesus' power casting a demon out of a man. And then here in verses 24 through 26, he talks about a situation in which a spirit or a demon leaves a man and then comes back. And so it would seem that we should have looked at this last week. But I'm convinced that verses 24 through 26 fits better with the following verses, verses 27 to 36, that we are focusing on this morning. And I think that for a couple of reasons. One, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew has a parallel passage to this in Luke chapter 11. And in Matthew's passage, Matthew separates with intervening verses, the casting out of the demon, and then this saying of Jesus about a spirit leaving a man. And so in Matthew, there's several verses, a lot of content in between those two. And also, I think the theme of verses 24 through 26 fits in with the themes that we will see in verses 27 through 36. And really, I think what we have here is essentially four small units that come together to teach one overriding theme or principle. And so we have four smaller individual units in this passage. In verses 24 to 26, we have this uh, saying about a spirit leaving a man and then coming back. Uh, in verses 27 and 28, we have a, a beatitude, a blessing by Christ on those who hear and obey the word of God. In verses 29 to 32, we have a warning by Jesus that no sign, no miracle would be given to this wicked generation other than the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then in verses 33 through 36, we have Jesus making a statement about light and light coming into a person. Now, here's the thing that I think holds all four of these smaller units together and communicates an, an underlying or overriding theme. And the thing that holds all four of these together is they all have to do with a person's response to the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. The ministry of Jesus requires a response of faith. As we saw at the end of last week in verse 23, if you are not with Christ, then you're against him. Jesus' ministry was divisive. Jesus' ministry was polarizing. It required people to make a choice about who he was and what he said. He was either who he said he was or he wasn't. Each of these four sayings in this passage call people to respond faithfully to the revelation, to the light, if you will, that Jesus brings. And the theme that holds all of these sayings together is this. You cannot come away from Jesus without being changed. You cannot come away from an encounter with Jesus 
without being changed. You will either be drawn toward him or you will be pushed away from him. He will either be received or rejected. His claim to be the Messiah will either be received or rejected. His teachings, his his statements of truth must either be received or rejected. And to ignore him is to reject him because if you are not with him, then you are against him. But you cannot come away from an encounter with Jesus unchanged. That point is made in verses 24 through 26, where Jesus shows that rejecting the light of Jesus leaves a person worse off than before. Rejecting the light of Jesus leaves a person worse off than before. Jesus gives this saying in verse 24, and I believe this is essentially like a parable. And so I don't see this as directly connected to Jesus casting the demon out of the man that we looked at last week. This is not talking about that spirit leaving that man. This is more of a general saying or statement of Jesus. It's really kind of more of a parable in which he is giving this hypothetical situation in order to convey a central point. And so Jesus uses this as an illustration to talk about the importance of receiving God's truth and what happens when you don't. In verse 24, he says, when an impure spirit, a demon, comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. And so this is a parable, a saying of Jesus, and he's providing an illustration to make a point. And in this illustration, there is a man who is freed from a demon. And the demon goes out into the desert seeking a place to inhabit. This imagery, this picture of a demon going out into the desert and needing a place to dwell seeking for a place to dwell. This image is common in traditional Judaism. And you can kind of see that idea, that uh, idea talked about or presented in Luke chapter eight, when the legion of spirits, the legion of demons, when Jesus was about to cast them out of the man, they cried, Jesus, let us go into those, that herd of pigs over there. And so there was this belief that, that demons had to have a place to dwell. And we also see reflected in this passage a a common belief of that time that demons were inhabitants of arid wilderness desert areas, which kind of brings the temptation of Christ in the wilderness into a new focus, doesn't it? And so Jesus gives this illustration of a demon leaving a man going out into these wilderness places looking for a place to rest, but he can't find any. He finds no place for a home. And so he decides to go back to the man out of whom he came. He goes back to return the man that he just left. Now, verse 25 is the key to this parable. 
Because Jesus says when this spirit comes back to the original man, he finds the house swept clean and put in order. But here's the key. It's empty. It's empty. So the spirit left. It's all clean, put in order. It's, it's almost like you're preparing uh, your house and putting everything in order. You're staging your house to be put on sale. You know, you, before you call a realtor or when you call a realtor to put your house on the market, you put everything in order, right? And, and you clean it up, you get rid of all the, the clutter and you present everything well because it makes a good presentation for selling your house for a prospective buyer. That's kind of the image here is this man's house is ready for an occupant. It's been swept, it's been clean, it's been put in order, but it's empty. And the point that Jesus is making here is if the truth of God, if the revelation of Jesus Christ is not received and taken into the heart, then it leaves a person vulnerable and even in a condition worse off than before. Because here's what happens. The spirit returns, but he doesn't come back alone. He brings some friends with him, he says. Seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. And so what Jesus is saying here, this isn't a situation that actually happened. This is a parable in which Jesus is making a point. And the point is, is that if you come away from an encounter with Jesus or with the word of God, and it is not received, it is not taken into the heart and fills that person, fills the heart of that person, then that person is left open and vulnerable to attack and to being in a worse condition than he was before. In other words, coming face to face with Jesus demands a response. If you come face to face with Jesus and do nothing with it, then you end up in a worse situation than you were before you encounter Jesus. Encountering Jesus and his message demands a choice. The necessity to respond to the message and ministry of Christ is further emphasized in verses 27 and 28, where we see that receiving the light of Jesus means hearing and obeying his word. As Jesus was teaching the people and saying these things, verse 27 says that a woman in the crowd called out and pronounced a blessing on Jesus' mother. This is referring to Mary. And this was common in the day uh, to, especially for someone of great accomplishment, uh, maybe someone who had achieved some measure of greatness, of renown, of status, that they would pronounce a blessing on that person's mother for who that person came to be, who that person became. And that's in essence what's happening here, that Jesus has become a a great teacher and people are following him. They're listening to him. And so she pronounces a blessing on Jesus' mother. And she says, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. But here's what's amazing and how it fits into this overall uh, passage and the theme that is joining these passages together is Jesus takes this woman's blessing and turns it around and pronounces his own blessing on those who receive the word of God. And so he says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. 
And so he's saying, he's not necessarily rebuking this woman for her blessing, but he's taking the opportunity to show that there is a higher blessing. And that higher blessing has to do with the the right response to the word of God and to the revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And in receiving Jesus, there is the necessity of faith. And that faith then also results in hearing and receiving the word of God, but also in putting it into practice. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he emphasizes the importance of true faith, of true discipleship. True faith and true discipleship is not just an outward response to Jesus, but it is a total response to Jesus a complete response of the whole person, heart, soul, mind, and body. All of, our, all of our heart, all of our soul. It is a complete response to Jesus. And when that complete response to Jesus is demonstrated in faith, it is also demonstrated in the works of obedience to the word of God that follow. So that Jesus can say in Matthew chapter 7, that there will be many who will say to me on the last day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy and do all these wonderful things in your name? But he will say to them, depart away from me, you workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. And then he goes on to tell the parable of the, the wise man and the foolish man who, and who built their house either on rock or on sand. And the point that Jesus is making in that parable is the one who built his house on the rock is the one who takes the words of Christ, but also puts them into practice and does them. So it's not just hearing, it's not just an outward response, but it is a total response from the inside out that results not only in faith, but also in the works of faith. And so Jesus pronounces this blessing, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And so what Jesus is teaching us is that receiving his light means hearing and obeying his word. And then Jesus continues in verse 29 and shows through his interaction with the crowd that rejecting the light of Jesus means rejecting the one greater than all the kings and prophets and bringing greater condemnation. On oneself. Again, there is no neutral response to Jesus. Coming face to face with Jesus, with his ministry, with his miracles, with his claims that he is the Messiah, the one sent from God, there is no neutral ground. You are either with him or you are against him. And Jesus says here that if you reject the light, if you reject the light that I am bringing from God, then you are rejecting the one who is greater than all the kings and all the prophets of the Old Testament. You are rejecting the one who is the fulfillment, the climax of all of the Old Testament. And if you reject my light, Jesus says, you will end up bringing greater condemnation on yourself. He says in verse 29, he saw the crowds gathering around him And he said, this is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. 
If you remember in last week's passage, when Jesus cast the demon out of the man, there were two responses. One response was blasphemous. And it was a response of the religious leaders who said, he's doing this in the power of Satan, in the power of Beelzebul. It was a blasphemous response. But there was also the response of skepticism, of doubt. And they said, show us another sign. Give us another sign from heaven. And essentially, this is Jesus' response to that thought, that demand. He says, no, you're not getting a sign. This is a wicked, unbelieving, skeptical generation asking for a sign, but you're not going to get one. None will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. Now, you remember the story of Jonah, right? The story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of God. God called Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to go to the Ninevites and preach the word of God, preach the message that I will give you. Now, do you remember who the Ninevites were? They were Assyrians. They were violent. They were idolatrous. They were pagan people. They had uh, wrecked violence on all the people that they attacked. They had, they had brought violence on the people of God. And so Jonah says, I don't want to go and preach a message to them because they might actually listen and repent. And so Jonah went the other direction. He went uh, on a ship away, as far away as he could go from Nineveh. But God got a hold of him, didn't he? God got a hold of him. He sent a giant fish. He sent a storm. The storm caused the people on that ship, the sailors to throw Jonah overboard. And the, the fish that God had prepared, appointed, came and swallowed up Jonah and then spit him out on dry ground. And then earlier in the service, we read from Jonah chapter three, where it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And guess what Jonah did? Well, he listened that time. He learned his lesson. He went on ahead to Nineveh and he preached a message, didn't he? He went through the city streets and he said, in 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. It's really not much of a sermon, but it says that the people of Nineveh responded to that message in repentance. They believed God and they humbled themselves in sackcloth and ashes, a symbol of repentance and pleaded for God's mercy. And God saw their response and he was merciful to them. Jesus says, as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the son of man be to this generation. What is the sign that Jesus is talking about? Now, our initial inclination is to join together the sign of Jonah in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights and correlate that with Jesus being three days and three nights in the earth after his death awaiting resurrection. In fact, in the gospel of Matthew, that link is made clear. But it's interesting here that in this passage, that link is not clearly established. Rather, the focus of this passage here in referring to Jonah, the focus is on the preaching of Jonah, not on his being three days and three nights in the fish. The focus is on the message of Jonah 
and the response of the people of Nineveh to that message. And so Jesus is referring to Jonah chapter 3. When, when Jonah listened to the word of God and went to Nineveh and preached and the people responded, he said, Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also will the son of man be to this generation. And the reason why I think the preaching and the response to the message is the main point is because look what Jesus says next. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Verse 31 is referring to the queen of Sheba, probably from a place as far as Ethiopia, perhaps in Arabia. We're not sure exactly where she comes from, but she's coming from a faraway land. The wisdom of Solomon had become well known in the ancient world and had reached this queen. And she wants to find out for herself. So First uh, Kings tells us about this queen coming all this great distance to listen to the words of Solomon. You see the emphasis on the words, on the wisdom of Solomon? That's the key to this passage. The queen of, of Sheba came to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And Jesus is saying that the queen of Sheba, she's going to rise at the judgment, rise meaning resurrection, with the people of this generation at the general resurrection at the last day when all people stand before the judgment seat of God there is going to be a judgment of people regarding what they did in this world, but also how they responded to the truth of God. The queen of Sheba responded positively to the truth of God, didn't she? Because she went and listened. She came from far away and received the word of Solomon. She's going to stand in judgment on the people of this day, Jesus said, because she listened you're not. Verse 32, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. So verse 32, Jesus emphasis on his link with Jonah is the preaching of Jonah on the message on giving the light of God. And on how that light, how that message is received. The queen of Sheba received the light, the wisdom of Solomon, which is the wisdom of God, because God gave him that wisdom. The men of Nineveh responded and received the word of Jonah, which was the word of God, because God sent him. And so both the queen of Sheba and the men of Nineveh had a positive receptive response to the word of God. And Jesus says, they're going to stand up on the day of judgment and condemn you because they listened and you're not. Now here's what is particularly condemning about what Jesus is saying to the people that day. The queen of Sheba and the people of Nineveh were Gentiles. And they are Jews. And Jesus is saying, here are pagan people. 
Gentile people. They have not had the benefit of access to the law of God like the people of Israel had. But when given the opportunity, the queen of Sheba came and listened and responded. When given the opportunity, the men of Nineveh listened and responded. They were Gentiles and they listened. And those Gentiles are going to stand in judgment on you, people of Israel, because they listened, but you're not. And what's even worse for you is you've had the revelation of the word of God your whole lives. The law of Moses, the law of God, the prophets have been given to you. You have the truth of God. And now standing in front of you is one who is even greater than Jonah, one who is greater than Solomon. Here, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ, the anointed one of God, the culmination of all of the prophets and all of the kings of the Old Testament. He is standing right here before you doing God's works and speaking God's words and you are rejecting him. And so the end result on you will be greater condemnation. Having light revealed to you and rejecting that light means greater condemnation. And Jesus finishes in verses 33 through verse 36 with a statement about light. Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a hidden place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. And in these closing verses about light, Jesus is communicating this idea that receiving the light of Jesus means receiving it with our whole selves and then shining that light to the world. In verse 33, Jesus uses the image of light as a picture of his revelation, of revealing God's truth. And according to verse 33, the purpose of light is to reveal. It reveals the path on which one is to walk. It reveals the contents of a room when you walk in. It reveals where the table is so that you won't trip over it. The point of light is to reveal, to illumine. And so Jesus says it's pointless to take a lamp or a candle and then cover it up. What's the point of turning on your flashlight if you then put it inside your backpack? Doesn't make any sense. In this particular context, it is not our light that is to shine, at least not initially. What the light that Jesus is talking about is his light. His light. The entire text, our entire passage this morning revolves around the proper response to Jesus Christ. So the light that is being referred to here is his light. It is the light of his teaching and his message. And the point that Luke is making is that Jesus is on a candlestick. Jesus is on a stand and Jesus' light is shining forth for the world to see. His light is shining in the room. Jesus is not hidden under a bushel basket. 
the light of his miracles and his teachings has been clear for everyone to see. In other words, Jesus, the light of God is here and he's not hiding. It's out in public here for everyone to see. It reminds me of what John said in John chapter one. In him, that is in the eternal word of God, in Christ, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light. He is the true light of God that was coming into the world. And later in that passage in John chapter one, it says that Jesus was the light. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They rejected the light of God. They rejected the light and they did not receive Christ. In verse number 34, Jesus says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. In this passage, Jesus is making a connection between the giving of light and then the response of receiving that light. His light was clear for all to see, but not everyone received it. Why? Because some eyes were open to receive the light and some were not. The light not only has to be lit, but it has to be seen. It has to be received by the eye. And in this passage, Jesus talks about the eye as the light of the body. It's the light of the body in the sense that that is where the light comes in. The light is the doorkeeper, if you will. It is the means of reception of light. And in this image, the eye determines what comes in and what doesn't. So those who are spiritually perceptive and see the light of Jesus' truth, they allow the light to enter in through the eye. And the result is that the whole body is full of light. That is with Jesus' truth. Jesus' truth comes in through the eye, through the ear, if you will. It comes in to us. And when the eye is opened, when the ear is opened, it is received. And the whole person is changed. The whole person is full of the light of Jesus. But those whose eyes are blind to the truth of Christ refuse to let the light of Christ come in. And the result is that their lives are devoid of the truth of Jesus Christ and their lives are full of darkness. The point is that we let in through the eye reflects what our heart is. What we let in through the eye, whether we receive the truth of Christ or not, it reflects where our heart is. If the eye refuses to let light in, it is because the heart is dark and hard. It is stubborn. In verse 35, there is the admonition and the imagery is calling on people to respond to the light of Jesus' teaching. 
He says, see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. This verse appears to be a warning in which Jesus encourages self-examination to examine their response to the teaching of Jesus. In essence, he is saying, be careful that the light that you think you have is not actually darkness. This is a message, I believe, to those unbelieving skeptics who said, we want a sign. This is a message to the Pharisees, to the scribes, to the religious leaders who thought, who no doubt thought that they already had the light of God and they had no need of this man's teaching, of Jesus' teaching. And what Jesus is doing here is he is warning them. He's warning the Pharisees, the scribes, these skeptics. He's warning them to make sure that the light that they think they have is not actually darkness. And these religious leaders might think that they are in the light, but they may still be in spiritual darkness. And what this verse of Jesus here, it points to the fact that we are easily self-deceived. We are easily self-deceived into thinking that we have no need for repentance or for humility. We end up with a self-righteousness, a confidence in our own goodness that is more perception than reality. And it is eternally dangerous. There is nothing more dangerous than a person who thinks they have the light of God, but in reality they don't and their hearts are full of darkness. And Jesus ends then with a positive challenge. He encourages his audience to fully embrace the light of the truth that Jesus brings. Jesus calls for the people to be full of light. They are to respond to the light of God's word by receiving it and then shining it to the world. To take in light is then to shine from the inside out. He says, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Jesus is essentially telling them here to open their eyes, to receive the light of God through Jesus Christ, and then to reflect that light to the world. This entire passage has been about the response to the word of Christ. Jesus' illustration of the demon-possessed man shows that there is no position of neutrality. You cannot ride the fence. There is no middle ground. If you do not respond to the truth of Christ and leave yourself empty, then you are worse off than before. Jesus' blessing, his beatitude, shows that the ultimate priority is not saying nice things about Jesus, but about giving your life to him in faith and obedience. He says, blessed is the one who hears and obeys the word of God. It is not enough to say that Jesus was a nice man or a good teacher or a world-class philosopher. A proper response to Jesus demands hearing, receiving and obeying his word. Jesus' rebuke to those looking for a sign shows that Jesus is the greatest one who has ever come. Greater than Jonah or Solomon or any king or any prophet, he must be received and believed. 
And to reject him is to bring greater condemnation on yourself. And here's the thing that I want to drive home this morning. Those people standing there that day in front of Jesus, they're not alone in their condemnation. Every generation since then, every generation since the time of Christ, every people, every individual who has received the truth about Christ and heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ and rejected it, they stand in greater condemnation than those who do not have that privilege. As Paul said in Acts 17, now God commands everyone everywhere to repent. The greatest fear that I have as a pastor is that there are people who sit in this room, who watch, who listen to the word of God week after week and think they have the truth, but in reality, they don't. Because if they ultimately reject the truth of God, then only greater condemnation awaits. The image of light in the last few verses shows that those who have access to the light of Jesus' teaching have a responsibility to open the eye and to receive that light and to make their whole body full of light. In this context, it means to hear the word of Christ, to believe it, and to obey it. And those who receive more light have a responsibility to do something with that light. You cannot leave your heart empty like the demon-possessed man did. There is no room for neutrality. As Jesus said in verse 23, if you're not with him, then you are against him. This passage teaches us this, that Jesus, the Messiah, is greater than any king or prophet who has ever come. We must receive the light he brings and shine it to the world. You may have been in church your whole life, but you've never responded positively to the light of Jesus' teaching. Maybe you're in a position where you think you have the light, but in reality, it is darkness. And you have never allowed the light of Christ's word to enter in and fill your soul. Maybe you've claimed to belong to Christ, but you've never given any time or effort to obeying and putting into practice the word of Christ. If you have never endeavored to follow Christ and his word, then you still stand in need of his light this morning. May God open your eyes to receive the light of Christ today. When Jesus presents his powerful message, it is time for a response. He either is who he says he is or he isn't. And if you are not with him and if you want to wait a while or think it over, some more or wait for more evidence, you continue in unbelief and you are abiding in unbelief and rejection of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To ignore him is to reject him. You are either with him or against him. Will you receive his light? I pray that God will open your eyes to receive the light of Jesus today. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, We thank you for your word and we thank you that Jesus is your light who would come into the world. Father, I thank you that through Jesus Christ, we have your truth. 
But Lord, now that Jesus has come and now that he has shined his light on the world, now I pray that you will open our eyes to receive it. Lord, in your grace, in your mercy, for many of us, you have opened our eyes to receive the truth of Christ. But there may be some still who are hearing this message who have not yet had their eyes opened. Father, I pray that you would soften their hearts, open their understanding so that they might believe and receive the truth of Christ. Father, may your word and your spirit do its work in our hearts today. And we pray this, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.